The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. So that is Pink Cola that you can hear in the background, and that means uh, we at the Offspin are back. It's the Spin Offs Cricket Podcast. My name's Alex Bray. I'm here as always with Simon Day. G'day. Kia ora, Alex. So it has been about three weeks since our last episode, and we're you know still in the stage where we're trying to get them out maybe every couple of weeks, maybe every month before we get into uh, daily soul-crushing episodes for the World Test Championship. Uh, but just briefly, what has happened since we've last been on? The Black Caps pulled out a T20 series win against Australia. Uh, the White Ferns played six games against England, won one of them, but lost the rest. Uh, Simon, did you watch any One of thing it? that happen, has happened is it appears you have deleted a tweet about Martin Guptill. What? Where you called for him to retire on his own terms. Uh, I did not delete that tweet. Well, I can't see it on your... I tweet uh, a lot. I tweet a lot, but I did not delete that tweet. Well, well, the tweet turned out to be very wrong. That's one thing that has happened. Uh, It is true. That is true. I did utterly embarrass myself. I, I don't think I called for him to retire as such. What I said is we should be talking about the service Martin Guptill has given to this country and you know, let him go gently into the into the night of retirement, rather than saying it's time for him to go. I think you called for him to retire. Yeah, I did immediately I was just after the first game. Yeah, and he, was he player of the series? Uh, Should yeah. have been. Yeah, yeah, I think he was. He scored about two hundred and fourteen runs at about seventy. Yeah, he he played very very well. And um, has he done enough to hold his spot? I'd say put him in the test team based on that uh, oh, series alone. Um, Martin Guptill loves the red ball. Uh, just joking. Yeah. <laughs> yes, at least T20s. One uh, ODIs as well. Uh, and the one thing when Martin Guptill is on, it's like cricket poetry. It is so beautiful. But it is why, like Brad Pitt and Legends of the Fall. It is just gorgeous. But why is it that it so often seems to take uh, the axe hanging over his head for it to all click? I mean, what? It's the concept of due, you know. Mm. When you you can't always score runs, you got to have a got to have a lull, and then a then an up and then a down. Not everyone can be Kane Williamson or Steve Smith or Virat Kohli and just score runs whenever they want to. 
All right, one player who is not scoring runs at the moment, uh, and I'm talking domestic cricket here as well, uh, but Ross Taylor's form this year has been really pretty poor. He's had about as many ducks as 50s, no centuries in recent memory, uh, and now has also got a bit of an injury concern for the Bangladesh series. Clearly one of the greatest players New Zealand has ever had, take nothing away from his career. But, you know, is it time that we start talking about the service that he's given to the New Zealand you game? And tweet about it. Go- I, maybe I should. Maybe I should. Uh, but what do you reckon? I mean, is it is it sort of... So I think the succession plan for Ross has begun. Um, if you look at, you know, the likes of Devin Conway, I mm-hmm. think he's a incredible player who should, who's pretty ready for all um, formats, uh, whether he fits in... Now, in replacement of Ross, or he takes a, an opener's slot mm. and lets, uh, I've forgotten the wicketkeeper, back up to uh, BJ, who's currently opening. Oh, Blundell, yeah. Let's, ta- uh, let's Blundell sort of be in the squad to be mm. Watling's uh, mentee. Mm. you got Will Young, you got Mark Will Chapman, Young. Even, even Henry Nichols is batting Nichols, a lot yeah. better statistically than Ross Taylor. But... But there you have a whole bunch of names where when they come to pick the team for Southampton, where the World Test Championship final is going to be. Talk about that later. Talk about that later. But if he hasn't started scoring runs again by then, is he still an automatic selection for the Test team? Or or would, would it be too much of a panic call to not pick him for such an important game? I think for now... Ross Taylor owns uh, the number four batting spot in the Black Caps team and that gets him to the first two games in Mm. England and then it would be very hard to replace him. So I suspect he plays in the final. So the last couple of weeks, I asked you before if you had watched any of it and um, didn't actually get an answer suspiciously, but um, has it felt a little bit like... Cricket, international cricket has been a bit sort of flat and contextless and... and well, no, not during the uh, T20 series. I didn't used to like T20. I, I've come up with these, all these theories about the role it could play in the sport because I think it is important, mm. but sort of imagined it as like a IPL, Big Bash, Super Smash only where uh, it doesn't get elevated to a international format. Having watched that series against Australia, I, I loved it. And I think um, T20 is changing ODI cricket, it's changing test match cricket in a really mm. big way that I've mm. come to appreciate the role that it has in the cricket ecosystem. And that's allowed me to enjoy it more. And at the same time as the T20 series was going on, the bizarre uh, test series in India was happening at the same time, which I also really loved. That's true. And, That's true. you know, if you look at uh, Pant, for example, he is a – the way he plays and the way he can change a game, a five-day game, mm. is a product of his uh, experience at the IPL. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I just – I feel like – I mean, after after the series were gone for the White Ferns, I kind of started to tune out of international cricket a bit and, and started looking around at what's happening in other parts of the world and, and checking up on 
Usman Khawaja's scores for Queensland and stuff like that. Like, real nerd shit. But, like, but sort no, of... I, was loving, I was loved it. And it was really fun to see, um, not to, it wasn't fun to see Kyle Jamison struggle, but it was quite funny. Like, <laughs> ju- days, like, literally days and weeks after he uh, was sold for such a big price. 10, 20 billion or something like that. I can't remember it's, the exact it, number. It's yeah. gone hyperbolic in my brain. Yeah. Um, but, it, uh, you know, I wonder if the, if, the, if the money affected his ability to perform in those games. I mean, it would, like, not to say that it would go to your head as such, because I've got no, I've got no idea whatsoever uh, about what his mental state is. But, uh, I mean, it would be kind of hard not to think about the fact that you're kind of set up for life. All of a sudden, after. I think it goes to your head in a different way, though. Like everyone's, you know, everyone's watching. Yeah, you know that you've got uh, this uh, expectation to fulfil, and that was one of the things that was in in my uh, sports WhatsApp group. Anyway, most talked about uh, as part of that series is how much he struggled. Mm. Mm. Probably bowled like two good overs. Mm. Uh, in the whole series. Mm. And I think it put... I don't think he was relaxed. I don't think he was just kicked back and feeling chill about if he played well or not because um, he never has to work a day again in his life. Yeah. I think he was feeling the pressure. I wonder what it would be like to have a job where you can get a big payday. I don't (laughs) think either of us will ever know. Um, So... uh, Cricket podcastings are not the the most lucrative... um, Profession. But it beats having a real job. In terms of uh, the White Ferns, they they lost the ODI series to one. They lost the T20 series as well. Uh, kind of the only highlight was a really storming century from Amy Satterthwaite. Uh, she partnered with Amelia Kerr to, to just drag a chase home against England. And that was really, really cool. But, I mean... Are they, are they good enough? Are they just playing against the best team in the world at the moment? Are they, are they sort of? Thank God we've got a year, to, an extra year for the World Cup. Well, yeah, yeah. It does feel a little bit at the moment like the team is sort of caught between two different iterations of it. Like there's a, there's an old guard. Uh, I mean, I think Susie Bates is a really notable absence. Great on the commentary but uh, would probably prefer to see her out on the field if that was possible. I, know, I, need, I need Susie to relax a bit in the commentary box as well. Right. I think she was fantastic on the offspin with us. She was. But she's like Kyle, Kyle Jameson, feeling a little bit tense in the new role under a bit of pressure. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, and we, Susie, if you're out there listening, just pretend like you're at the pub with your mates having a few beers, telling them about what you know about the cricket. That is the most, like, I, I don't really use this term all that much, but that is the most incredible mansplain I've ever heard. <laughs> a cricket podcaster telling With an, an international cricketer. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we're going to have to leave that in, I think. It's got to stay. It happened. Um, so uh, two other big bits of cricket news uh, at the moment. Uh, Kane Williamson is out of the upcoming Bangladesh series. Uh, they're calling it injury management, but, I mean, come on, afterwards he's off to the IPL. Is it? Is it at all suspicious 
that Kane Williamson's injury management always seems to coincide with low priority series. And more to the point, do you care? No, I'm I'm comfortable with him uh, managing his load. It's mm. like Kawhi Leonard. You know, you, you got to use your best players when you need them most. And I'm comfortable with him being at his peak in England. So rest Kane Williamson, I say. All right. And the other bit is there's going to be a brand new sports radio network launched in New Zealand. And their breakfast host is going to be none other than decent international batsman and very, very good pony punter, Brendan McCullum. Great uh, talent. Great, great broadcast talent. Incredibly good talent. And it has been fantastic on commentary uh, this summer. And dare I say it, maybe uh, it could be a, a nice chance for uh, the rights to go somewhere other than magic talk. Well, do you know how <laughs> it's going to work? Like, is it... Has they bought some frequencies? They've got the trackside frequencies. So uh, can you listen to trackside on the radio? You used to be able to, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or you might even still be able to. It's not really my thing. I'm bad at gambling. Do we but, still um, have a minister of horses or racing, whatever Winston was, or without him in government, is that gone? Amazing trivia is that that job wasn't actually created for him like the popular understanding was. Someone had to correct me on it. I put it in a bulletin once and they were like, nah, that's not that's not true. I was very shamed out by it. But uh, you never know. Uh, they the, the network SEN in Australia, they have a lot of very important sports rights over there. Maybe they're going to start bidding for the radio comms over here as well. Cool. Because right now... <laughs> It's full of climate change deniers and <laughs> conspiracy theorists. I like some of the Magic Talk team. I, I'm a big fan of Ricky Swinnell. Uh, I'm a huge fan of hers. And, uh, big fan of Mark Craig, friend of the Offspin. Big fan of Mark Craig. Uh, Only the, an international batsman to hit his first ever ball in test cricket for six. Very true. Very true. And uh, the Peter Williams morning show, you know, is just a, a fount of wisdom and knowledge <laughs> every day. Uh, we should probably stop shit talking and get to the actual interview that we're doing today. Uh, and it's a very, very interesting uh, conversation. We recorded it just before. It is with the CEO of the 2022 Women's Cricket World Cup. And this is a tournament which is it, it's enormous for New Zealand cricket to be hosting it. But it's also one that has had a lot of problems with COVID, with delays. Uh, Already been postponed by a year. Yep, yep. And good, that, for the, good for the white ferns, as we discuss. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we'll, we'll get into a lot of the, uh, I don't want to sound too corporate speak here, but the challenges and opportunities that... Uh, uh, come with such a massive event like that. So probably uh, from a business of cricket perspective, uh, the biggest guest we've ever had on this podcast, it is the CEO of the Cricket World Cup in 2022, Andrea Nelson. Thank you so much for joining us. Kia ora. Nice to see you both. Kia ora, Andrea. Um, I, I just want to know, how, how did you come to get this job in the first place? How does one get to be the CEO of a Cricket World Cup? Yeah, so um, I actually started in journalism in New Zealand way back, way back when, and I briefly had a gig as a sports journo 
but I didn't actually know that in rugby you couldn't throw the ball forward, so I was not a fully educated, uh, you know, I'd come from... Anyway, went from that and did my OE and really fell into it. In Australia, I worked on the Rugby World Cup promotion for the mm. government side mm. and then got the job of a lifetime in London on the Olympics. So I, I, we bid for the Olympics, we won the bid, we staged the Olympics, we staged the Paralympics, wrote the report and moved home to New Zealand. So nice. that was sort of my... Um, apprenticeship in the world of events and since then I've just done lots of different sports events here in New Zealand. Yeah. Right and and how long have you been working on this tournament now? Yeah well it's been through a few iterations. It yeah. has, the Women's hasn't World it? Cup yeah, 2021. We can, well <laughs> yeah. quite yeah. Yeah so yeah. we I started in uh, actually my first thing which was a horrible way to start is I did go to England for the Men's Cricket World Cup in 2019 and oh, that was pretty much no. my first couple of weeks in the job. Were you there at Lords on the day? Uh, no I, I was there for day one of the two-day semi-final uh, oh, but then I'm yeah. a very good worker, so I was due to catch a flight back, and I took it. In retrospect, possibly, <laughs> possibly a mistake. So I've never um, decided whether I would have wanted to be at that game or not. I, I don't think I could physically have been at that game. I think um, I, I, I stayed up all night with my then ten year old son, who slept maybe an hour all night, mm. and I think it was he cried and cried and cried. At, the, at that moment, and at the end, Sounds I was really like impressed. you're describing Simon here. Well, as, as a six-year-old at the 1992 Cricket World Cup, I made my grandmother take me out of Eden Park when Inza Mom started heaving uh, yeah. us over the boundary, and I, you know, that that has changed me forever, and I've, I'm yet to decide whether in good ways or bad. Well, at the end of it, though, I was really amazed. <laughs> this is the power of sport, right? He um, he was really upset, and then he kind of stood up, shook himself off and went, well, look, if Kane can be calm and collected, then so can mm. I. So, uh, yeah, so anyway, started in June 2019. Right, yeah, right. And and it was once upon a time the 2021 World Cup would be most of the way through the knockouts right now. Oh, we'd it, be done. We would wrap up. We'd be done, right. yeah. The final dusted. Well, I mean, at the time it was postponed, you uh, talked about how it wasn't about New Zealand's ability to host the tournament that made it be postponed. What what exactly did you mean by that? Yeah, so that's still absolutely the case. Like we were able to stage the event. You know, New Zealand has staged. We've had cricket tours. We've brought teams in. We know how to do it. We would have been the first. I won't say it would have been easy, but we mm. had the full backing of government, we would have been able to make it happen. Um, but ultimately, it came down to the players. So the decision mm. is made by the members, and they represent the world's cricketers. And it's not so much the Englands and Indias of this world. There's a, you know, a teams like the West Indies or even ones that haven't qualified. You know, Pakistan. They rely on these events to to get their cricket in, and they wouldn't have been able to prepare. It wouldn't have been a great showcase for the game. And yeah. I won't pretend I wasn't gutted. It was a really hard time, you know, for for the team. But ultimately, it's given us a massive opportunity. You know, that extra year. Has has allowed us time and space to do more. And, and hopefully you know, for the white ferns to get a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not going to comment on the performance of any particular cricket team, but no, you're absolutely right. The white ferns are playing the best teams in the world right now with yes. Eng England yeah. and Australia, and they're likely to get um, more content later in this year. And then obviously in the lead-up to World Cups, there's always tours. So mm. they've got a much better opportunity to build up and, and grow some of those young players, you know, the likes of Fran and, mm. and Brooke making debuts mm. this summer. It'll be really good to see what happens. So there, there are still three qualification spots open. My understanding is that there's a tournament in Sri Lanka Anchor June, July to fill those. Um, are you are you confident at the moment that that qualifying tournament can actually go ahead? Yeah, look, we don't run that, so I'm not, right, and I'm not in right, the details right. of, of how that tournament's running. But like, we've had no indication that the teams won't have a chance to qualify. So right. you know, the ICC are fully planning for this event to proceed, and you know, those teams will have a chance to qualify one way or the other. If uh, if that can't go ahead, is there any mechanism to just say, you know, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, West Indies, you're in? Sorry, everyone else, better luck next time, or is that? 
is that not something that could happen? Oh, look, it all comes down to what the members agree. So, you know, they'll have a plan for that and they'll get together and discuss what happens if, if that tournament can't proceed. But, mm. um, you know, at the moment we're, we're gung-ho and hoping that we'll have three new qualifiers by mid-year. Yeah. What's it like trying to plan a World Cup at the moment? It must be... Scary and frustrating and weird all at the same time. Well, you know, I'd say exciting. And, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, look, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. Look, it's um, doing any entertainment product or any event anywhere in the world right now is not the easiest job. I mean, nobody yeah. can tell you that honestly that it is. But having said that, you know, with that extra year we've given, we've been given. It actually has given us the opportunity to make some really good plans. We've got contingencies on contingencies. And to be honest, it's really, um, I find it really satisfying and, and exciting to be able to have the time and the support to make something happen. And, mm. you know, when the tournament takes place early next year, it's going to be a major celebration that anyone, everyone in New Zealand will be ready for a World Cup and there'll be one um, one on our doorstep. So I think it's going to take people by surprise and uh, get people around the country pretty excited. And if you're going to do it anywhere, it would, have, it would almost have to be New Zealand. Yeah, I mean, we've got some massive uh, benefits. You know, we can bring crowds into stadia, as we've seen. Um, you know, I mean, the the... Women's T20 World Cup final last March at 87,000 people. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they uh, sold out the MCG, right? Yeah, it came pretty damn close. I think they sold every ticket, but a couple of people didn't turn up, so they just didn't tip the record. But honestly, you get your Katy Perry concert in for free. So, <laughs> you know, we really, for us, that's really a good opportunity. And the, I know the ICC are excited about coming here and, and being able to hold an event here. But, mm. you know, March next year, it's 12 months away, mm. you know. Mm. There's a lot mm. of, and, and I guess to your point, you know, Simon, you can't, obsess about what things are, hap- are happening at any point in time and you can only control what you can control tiny part of so the we just see it as you know we've got to grow doing the right thing by new zealand and by women's sport and by women's cricket and we've just got to talk to people and get them excited and you know focusing on the positives because that's what will um, make it happen did it give you any pause for thought when the women's rugby world cup got postponed did that sort of make you think oh shit this might not actually come together or no not at all I mean we we were well across their conversations and you know we talk to government all the time in terms Mm. of it and we're very you know they had a very different proposition a different time of year contact sport 11 teams you know there's a lot of every event's kind of different Um, you know where cricket has some really great advantages in this environment you know often teams tour countries before they before World Cup you know often you know, training is a is, – you've seen New Zealand cricket have brought a lot of teams in this summer, you know. Mm. We know how to do it and mm. we know it can be done. So we I was in conversation. The great thing about being in women's sport is that you don't have the um, – you, you collaborate and you work together. So I get together regularly with Michelle Hooper, who runs the Rugby World Cup, and Jane, who runs the FIFA World Cup, and we talk about our challenges and how we can, how we can work together. And, you know, I said to her – you know, I think I said it in the media as well. It's an opportunity. You know, that extra year will give you yeah. time when you're rushing around trying to get MIQ spaces booked and, you know, <laughs> work yeah. out training patterns. It's hard to inspire a nation, you know, and yeah. now you've got the yeah. time to do that and do both. Yeah. And it is that moment. Like, the, the sport is growing so quickly uh, from a women's perspective. Like that extra year could be the difference between sold-out crowds and three-quarters full. I mean, I always think about this summer, I was playing cricket with my whānau at Hātepe and uh, my little nephew 
hit a six and he mm. went, yeah, Sophie Devine, <laughs> you know, and, you know, that, 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 yeah. that's an amazing bit of momentum. We, we actually have, without being incredibly boring for a sports podcast, we have a, um, a corporate vision. <laughs> take oh, yeah. a seat, oh, take please. a seat. Well, I, yeah, heard yeah. You, <laughs> I heard you refer to matches as content. Oh, uh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, you know, you can take the girl Worrying. out of sports business. But, um, no, but our, our, our vision is to own the moment, exactly as you say, yeah. you know, own the moment in women's sport. You, you can say it's a great event. And then it's forgotten. You know, you got to actually take the opportunity that you're given when you stage it to think, what can we do differently? So, for example, um, one thing I was really passionate about and the extra year allowed us the chance to do, at Eden Park, if you're going out to play or, or, or often, you know, ba- best example would be Basin Reserve. The, mm-hmm. the Blaze girls used to have to go home after the match because they couldn't have a shower in the stadium. Oh, right? What? Wow. Because the showers don't have doors. You know, men, you've got urinals, you don't have cubicles, you've got showers without Without doors, because men for some reason like to shower without curtains. I don't know. Uh, it, You're it, kidding. It's not Jocks. female, not female appropriate. So thanks to some Sport New Zealand funding, we're actually able to. Um, all of our venues will have gender appropriate bathroom facilities. That's so, unbelievable. So cubicles, curtains on, curtains on showers. It sounds like small things, but it makes a really big difference. So yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I probably would have had to go home to shower as well. To be honest, I. Not one to shower with the door open, <laughs> with the curtain pulled back. It was eye-opening for me, actually, I have to say. But, um, you know, and, and talking to um, the woman down in Wellington who runs uh, Cricket Wellington, general manager Liz Perry, used to play for the White Ferns. Oh, yeah, yep. Um, she, she, talk, she talks about it and she says, you know, it's not just about the practicalities of not being able to go, you mm. have to go home. Mm. It's actually the feeling that you're in a space that's not designed for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah you're a professional yeah. athlete. You're representing your 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 country or your federation and you, you've got to go you know the toilets aren't made for you that's not that's yeah not great so you absolutely. know that's the sort of thing I guess we you know corporate visions not notwithstanding you know it is about doing more than just staging the event and using the event to change you mm. know change the, the mm. world for women's but athletes yeah that's really cool that the fact that you can change the world like through sport it's it's that opportunity well I'm a bit of a softie right and I that's I guess I started in the Olympics and we did you know, Seb Coe stood up and said, you know, we want to inspire a generation. That was the London 2012 thing. But I know working there that we actually made choices along the way, always about youth, always about mm. what can we do to bring mm. more people into sport. And, you know, that sort of taught me a lesson about what major events can achieve. And they don't have to be Olympic Games, you know. Yeah, yeah I've yeah. worked on some, like Rugby League World Cup, you know, back in 2017, what that did for the Tongan community here and for bringing people totally. together and celebration. I mean, right, that was a real people privilege. still see people driving around with like 12 Tongan flags from uh, their people mover. It's amazing. It was honestly the, the most incredible thing to work on, you know. And, and so I think those major events can do more than just, you know, create a great, great content. <laughs> <laughs> for media verticals as, such as, as yourself. As, as long as you never start saying cricketainment, we'll probably be okay. Mm, cr- what, cricketainment? Oh, it was a Matthew Hayden thing. It was horrible. Really? Oh, horrible stuff. I don't hear it. Awful. I think he described the big bash as that or something. Dreadful. Cricketainment. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll steer clear of that one. Um, it's kind of a hard question to phrase right, but is, is a Women's Cricket World Cup an event that is expected to turn a commercial profit or, or is it seen as more like a, a loss leader for the sport as a whole? Yeah, I wouldn't use the phrase loss leader, but I think we, we think about it as an investment in, 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 in women's sport and in sport generally. So by using the opportunity to host a World Cup here in New Zealand, it's part of New Zealand cricket's 
plan mm. to bring more women and girls into the game, you know. And so, you know, I mean, being frank, you know, look, we are aiming to be a financially successful tournament, but right, ticket right. sales are not, uh, you know, for us, attendance is more important than ticket revenue. Right. So, um, you know, we uh, you would have seen we, we've got um, venue packs on sale now where you can go and see seven matches at the Basin Reserve for $30. That's very, very yeah, affordable. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's, that's, a, that's a short... quite remarkable, un, un, actually. <laughs> unapologetically affordable. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, but yeah. We, but that, that's a short-term offer. You know, we will have, we will have uh, you know, I think uh, we've announced our, our normal ticket prices for $15.05. Do you have an Eden Park deal? Yeah, we've got... There's two matches at Eden Park. So there is India-Australia on mm, Saturday night and then New Zealand-England on the Sunday. And you can get two for one. So 15 oh, yeah. bucks will get yep. you both of those. Yeah, yeah. That's so that's pretty good. No, look, and we're really going to be out there... You know, talking to people around the country and saying, you know, a lot of people say, I support women's sport. You know, it's a very worthy thing to do. Well, this Mm. is an opportunity to put your not that much money where your mouth is, put your (laughs) bum on the seat, get out there and show your support because it is great content. Um, I think the summer and the Super Smash has shown that, you know, it's it's gripping, fantastic cricket. And there's absolutely no barrier to people getting involved. We want to put on a great World Cup. It's going to feel like a global event. It's going to be exciting. Mm. Kids will have a great time. The mums and the dads will have a great time. And you can do it for 15 bucks for two matches, which is pretty, you know, pretty spectacular. So the answer to your question is, yeah, you do have to work a bit harder Mm, sometimes mm. to convince some people, you know, and and what they've found a lot in other women's sports events is your traditional sports fans. They might not be the people that are easiest to convert, you know. Often you're bringing new people into the sport. Yeah. Yeah. If well, you're not into it, you're out of touch, though. Like, I spent this morning at the gym doing kettlebell swings, watching... Very Thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's to... Um, forgotten Mitch's surname. McLennigan taught me that to improve my bowling speed, it's all about my booty. Right. So I'm really invested <laughs> in my posterior chain and my glutes. Um, <clears throat> but I was doing my kettlebell swings watching South Africa play India in a women's cricket match. And it was such high quality sport. Yeah. It was just, it is worth watching if you like sport. And it's also like the personalities. It's the same as the men's game. And I think even more so in women's cricket because of the stage of development it's at. There's the big players. If you get Sophie Devine out, mm. you know you've got one up. You know, she's yeah. a game changer, yeah. right? She comes and plays and she can change a game. Yeah. And you see that throughout women's cricket. There's a, a, a one player from Sri Lanka um, who, when she comes on, she hits sixes left, right and centre. It's absolutely scintillating. Mm. You know, so I think you're right. You are out of touch if you're not giving it a go. But telling people they should do something mm. generally isn't very successful. Totally. So, you know, totally. what we want to do is sell, you know, we, we, we're getting started. The, the campaign will kick in later this year. But we want to basically just spread the word and say this is going to be an amazing global celebration. Outside of Auckland, all of our stadiums are grass banked. You'll be able to sit back and enjoy a lovely day at the cricket, you know, really uniquely um, Kiwi experience. Mm, mm. Um, and, you know, what I think would surprise people is how many people internationally will see it. So the women's final T20, the global viewership across all their channels was 1.1 billion people. Wow. So the Men's Rugby World That's Cup incredible. doesn't doesn't reach that, that kind of number. From are, you, um, are you going to rig the tournament to get India into the final to ensure that you are... Uh, that you end up with that kind of audience again? PCCI does that. Absolutely not. No, (laughs) No, we are a fair and equal. All of our players will have a very similar, wonderful experience playing in New Zealand. (laughs) I mean, speaking of the... um, Very good at this. (laughs) Speaking of the the Indian market generally, I mean, one of the... um, 
one of the things that would probably be a, a game changer for uh, attendance generally is if the borders are open uh, by the time the tournament rolls around. I mean, do you have sort of contingencies in place for if they are open or if they are, aren't or to certain companies? countries we've got contingencies in place for a lot of things yeah like i mean a a lot of our time is spent planning every possible scenario i mean obviously it goes without saying is if the borders are open our tournament will be a totally different proposition you know a big part of that is you know friends and family support you know it's a really Mm, basic idea mm. but the tournament can be staged in any situation it's just about what 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 we do more of and what we do less of so um yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't know if you got the answer to that because it'd be quite handy to know if you were. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I suppose who can know? Yeah, in who a way. can know? And, and I spend a lot of my time answering questions on hypotheticals on this, and we just, you know, you can only control the things you can control, right? Mm. We just try and do the best job we can, and and try and think of every possible eventuality. Interestingly, a global pandemic wasn't it was on the risk register, but it wasn't very high when we uh, first started doing it. <laughs> um, slight bone to pick with you, actually. Uh, the final being in Christchurch and not Auckland. I mean, I'm annoyed about that. Uh, what what was you the can decision? Fly there. Well, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. It's in New Zealand, you know. It's the yeah, they've got two yeah, islands in yeah, the bottom. Look, that. I, I don't go to Hagley Oval. Have you been? Have you been? I've never been. Yeah. To oh, this is a good excuse. It's such a great place to watch. It's an absolutely really? outstanding oh. cricket venue. I'd say, um, you know, there's a couple of things about that. One, bringing the final to Christchurch brought lights to Hagley Oval. Right. right, a permanent right. piece of infrastructure into New Zealand's cricketing landscape that allows day-night cricket to be played in the South Island. Mm. Right, I don't think anybody would look at that situation and say that was a bad call. Yeah, but also, you know, Christchurch, I think, has shown consistently they really get behind uh, big events. They get behind women's sport. Um, Auckland too, you know, and, and, and we looked at lots of different options, but we felt it was the right venue for that for that match. Mm. Um, Auckland, we really wanted to kind of come in and do a big hit. It's a big stadium. It's a big stadium for women's sport, right? And I'm no rugby world cup will be looking at it the same way. It's a big stadium for women's sport. Got to really focus on putting the best possible content there and and really making it as... uh, yeah, I suppose it's the consideration there that uh, for for the games at the business end of the tournament, you really just want stands full, basically, like uh, for the for the look of the event or or for the the kind of yeah. impression that people take away. Oh, from look, it. setting a schedule has got so many considerations, right? There mm. are, I mean, we for example had to redesign our schedule when we were postponed, and two of our venues would our semi final venues were Hamilton and Tauranga, mm. and they were no longer available because accommodation. There was a uh, another event that had already booked all the accommodation in that area, so oh we God. had to, yeah. So oh like, I mean, there's no God. one factor or another, but I think it's appropriate that our tournament finishes in Christchurch. I think it opens in Tauranga. You know, it's a it's a nationwide tournament. Yeah, it had yeah. to be in Auckland. It's really important that Auckland has a, a prominent place in it. But well, I um, think so. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's we get, get and but you can get on so a plane. Mean. You know, it's a, I, it's yeah, a, keep saying that. You keep saying, <laughs> it's lovely, Christchurch. <laughs> if you book soon, it'll be like thirty dollars as well. Yeah, it's true. Particularly that's this true. time of year. Will you put in the extra seats, or will it be just the no, Grassbank Stadium? Yeah. Grassbank Stadiums. Yeah, all the, all around the country, and I think that's as much about the experience as well. You know, we want to be we're creating a different kind of environment. It's not going to be like a men's World Cup in those grass bank stadiums. I think will be really great. I was on the front of the added seating at the first game of the oh yeah two thousand and fifteen World Cup against Sri Lanka, and um was with my father in law, my brother in law, my uncle in law, and my 
cousin in law, if those are things. I had quite a lot of beers because I was really excited. And about two thirds of the way through the game, there was a policeman standing right in front of me, and his hat was exactly the height where I wanted to rest my beer. So I just placed it on his head and uh, didn't go down so well. Um, big lecture in front of my father in law, which was, was to be as well. I hadn't even married her at this point. Um, but it was worth it. Well, the great thing about a grass bank stadium is you can kind of sit slightly yeah. to the other side and, uh, and pop Great yarn out. for a cricket podcast yeah. six years later, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, I think, you know, when you go about doing these events too, it's like the right match in the right city mm. and, and, you know, mm. for the right reason and a good global story. And I think there's something about Christchurch Rebuild, you know, we're, we're, they're in a new phase, the new stadium coming in as well in a Even few years. March 15 has a big connection with cricket as well and the experience the Bangladesh team went through. Like I, there's that bond, I think, and it, and it feels it feels to me right to have that game yeah. there. You're the first mm. person to complain to me about it, actually, Alex, so well, uh, that's I'm quite sorry. good. I wasn't I'm sorry, expecting I that. hate to be so negative. He's just creating content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just creating content. So in terms of uh, sort of big uh, big endorsements, the last one had Katy Perry. Who who do you have for, for this one? Well, I mean, endorsement-wise, we have a fantastic group of uh, 100 uh, kind of prominent New Zealanders who are championed of the tournament, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, which is really great. But our music, I'm really excited do by. Do you want to make it 102 and we'll, yeah, we'll jump no, on it definitely. as well? Yeah, no, definitely. I've actually got a form in my bag, so oh, I'll get you guys to sign up when I leave. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I was, saying, I was saying to Tina that she should play this amazing song, which is kind of the song of our event um, uh, by an artist, you know, New Zealand artist, Jen Wigmore. Oh, yep. Uh, yep. And it's a track called Girl Gang. And really, genuinely, we, we, we were looking around for a song just for a promo video back when I first started. And um, the lyrics to the song and the, the general spirit of it, it's, it's kind of really exciting. It's about women coming together, celebrating, um, hit hard, blood of a champion. You know, mm. it's really, mm. really cool. So, yeah, that will be our, our tournament song, which we're really excited about. And yesterday, uh, Jin very bravely jumped out of a... Um, a uh, 15,000 metre skydive Whoa. at Mount Monganui uh, with the trophy strapped to her. Um, <laughs> so this is what we expect of our champions, things guys. You do so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who did you have to ensure more, like Jen Wigmore or the trophy itself? <laughs> yeah, like... yeah but they did actually ask her when she landed, which was she more scared of? But um, <laughs> hurting herself or hurting the trophy. Imagine dropping it. I mean... <laughs> it was very firmly attached. Okay, yeah. I'm just... <laughs> very firmly attached. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's kind of a way of, uh, of us starting our relationship with that song. And I think people will probably get a bit sick Because Jen was bit. probably attached to someone as well. Yeah, so. she was tandem. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, right. Yeah. right. We didn't just she throw it in a plate. She had a parachute as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. I think um, we, we may as well wrap it up there. It has been an absolute pleasure uh, to talk to you. We're, we're incredibly excited about this tournament. We cool. cannot wait. And um, thank you so much, Andrea Nelson, for coming in. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. We'll get you a ticket to Christchurch, Alex. Put it on the company card. <laughs> Kia ora, Justin Giovanetti here, and I'm the political editor at The Spinoff. This podcast, like so much of the work we do at The Spinoff, is made possible by the support of our members. To find out more about The Spinoff members and how you can help us keep producing quality, independent journalism, visit members.thespinoff.co.nz and do it today. So that was Andrea Nelson, CEO of the 2022 Women's Cricket World Cup, which will be in New Zealand. As you heard there before, there are going to be some mean deals on tickets, so get amongst as fast as you can to get some of those. Uh, that is everything we've got uh, for the Offspin podcast. For Glad I'm cricket podcasting, not running a global event. Yeah, yes, 
uh, again, as we've said many, many times, it is so nice to not have to have a real job. Mm. Um, thank you, Simon Day. My pleasure. Thank you, Tina. What have we got now? Like a, just a quiet period in the international cricket No, we've calendar. got Bangladesh tour. Actually, actually, get excited for this one. White Ferns versus Australia. Do we need to edit out the fact that I didn't know we are just about to play uh, Bangladesh? <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> All right. <laughs>